the word or or the, or the one that we're currently working on uh, have it. Um, uh, this series will probably continue, you know, for probably at least another two or three weeks uh, uh, after today. Anyway, we're going to be studying habits of a blessed Christian. We said that habits are established when we're governed by our beliefs. When we're governed by our beliefs. And we went, really over the last few sessions, we sort of, we didn't drift off into a rabbit trail. It was very closely related, but but certainly we talked a little bit more about beliefs uh, the last few sessions. And I want to encourage those that uh, did not get to hear those. Uh, you can go online. Is it MediaConnect.com? Is that what it's, Kathy? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. You just go to our website, and there's a there's a where you can go, and you can listen to all the services, whether it's Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, or the healing services as well. So I would encourage you to get those. Uh, let's turn to uh, Proverbs 18. This is our one of the two foundational scriptures, and you can also be looking up at Leviticus 20 as we go. You should have them memorized by now. Proverbs 18, verse 14 says this, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? The strong spirit of a man. And during all this teaching, we've been concentrating on things like, how do we strengthen our spirit man? What, what will it take to build up our faith? What's it take to strengthen the spirit that we talk so much about? the real you, how do we get our heart established in the things of God? Spiritual habits are based upon spiritual or godly principles. And so, so we need to, uh, in order to build up our spirit man, then obviously we need to develop these spiritual habits. Leviticus 20, verse 26, it says, You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Do you know you're set apart? You're his very own? You're a son of God? The very son of God? You know, holiness comes into our lives when our ways become God's ways. And I repeat that statement every, every, every time I, I teach this. Because, think about it, it's so true. Holiness just doesn't come into our lives when we receive Jesus, although it does. We become, we become his, home, his, his own at that time. We become born again. Uh, but holiness is taking on his characteristics, transforming ourselves into his image. And we do that through his word. And his word is established in these habits that we've been covering. Well, let's cover these habits. I'm just going to, I'm just going to basically uh, speak each one, and we're going to get to our uh, one we're currently working on. The first one we said was they diligently spend time with the Father daily. And here we're talking about willing to give up everything for the sake of the kingdom. We're talking about searching His Word like a hidden treasure in a field, or like that great pearl that's used as a parable in the Word. The second habit was they consistently give thanks and praise. And worship Him regardless of their circumstances. This one is talking about having a personal, individual intimacy with the living God. 
It is, it is a satisfaction that comes only by His presence in our life. And, we, and, and one of the ways we attain that is by, in our habits, is to make sure that we continually give thanks and praise to our Father. Habit number three, we said, was they feed their spirit by reading and listening to God's Word every day. Matthew 4.4 4 tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every day, I'm assuming that each of you eat at least two meals and probably three. Okay? Now, it used to be I had one big meal just all day long. Okay? <laughs> now, I've been successful in cutting down to maybe one meal. Actually, two. Okay? Now, I've, I've dropped some weight. Now, you've got to check out my new glycemic index. Okay? Alright. Alright. It's not there yet, but it's getting there. So we need spiritual food, not just physical food. Physical food sustains our body, but it's that spiritual food which is vital to us to sustain our spiritual life. Habit number four, they strengthen and encourage themselves daily by meditating on God's Word. We said that meditation was a divine communication. It's a renewal of the mind that transforms our core beliefs. Okay? Renewing our mind that transforms our core beliefs. We talked about that thermostat. Okay? And raising that thermostat up to change our belief system in conformance with God's ways. And number five is the one where we have been currently working on. The words they speak are governed by their faith in God's word. The words they speak are governed by their faith in God's Word. And we like said we will finish to this one today. Our words must be governed by the Word of God. Words do have a great impact on our daily life. God's Word does, uh, has a great impact of what can act, God can actually do in our lives. Now, Luke 6.45, which we've used for this particular habit, says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, we can establish our spirits, we can strengthen our spirits, we can build ourselves up, but you know, it can go either way. We can build it up in an area which is not so good as well. Because the things that we think about, the things that we dwell upon, the things that we do, if they're the things that not of God or contrary to the ways of God, then guess what? You establish core beliefs which, are, which hurt you. You develop habits and areas of your life and you, have, you experience consequences that we really don't like the outcomes to. But because they're now a part of your core beliefs, you do them whether you want to or not. It comes automatic because it's a part of your belief. It's a part of you. So the only way to get rid of those is to identify through the Word what the Word says about your situation and then go about changing your thermostat, moving your belief system in another direction to where it's more in conformance with what the Word says. Whatever goes in our heart in abundance will form the belief of our hearts and govern the words that you speak. Therefore, I've transformed my quote that I give you all the time. 
And now say, sow a thought and reap words. Sow words, reap an action. Sow actions, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. So words are vital. Words are important in our life. We also spoke a little bit last week about what happens uh, in terms of the law of agreement. The law of agreement uh, over in Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20 says this. It says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth as concerning anything that they will ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, we talked about the fact that when we speak words that may be contrary to what the Word of God says, we enter into an agreement with the enemy. Let me give you an example. Now, maybe none of you have experienced this, but if you've ever experienced financial lack, Okay, you want to maybe take a special family vacation or something, and you look in your bank account, and you find out, well, gee whiz, I'm not sure if we can go as far as we want to go this year. Or you need a new car. Your car's about ready to, to, to pass away on you, and, you, and you need something new or better, but you really don't have the room to make it fit in your budget. And it's awful easy for the enemy to come in and say, that you're going to have to do without. And he'll talk to you and create these circumstances in life which demonstrate lack. And one of our reactions might be, well, shoot, I never have enough. I just, it just seems like what I need, it's, it's never there. All I have to struggle and strain and borrow and beg. Well, we've said before in here, and if you've been here many times at all, you've probably heard me say that. It's not the things that come against you in this life that's going to hurt you. It's going to be our response to those things that come against you in this life that's going to hurt you. So our response, if you have a response like that, then the abundance of your heart says lack. Part of your belief system says that, gee whiz, I sometimes don't have enough. And I, and this, I guess that's the way it is. And you sort of accepted that core belief in your life. You know, God said, though, about abundance, didn't he? He says, he is able to make all grace abound to you, that you may always, under all circumstances, be self-sufficient, having abundance left over to meet the needs of others. Totally contrary. So, that lack is totally contrary to what you're experiencing. So, our response needs to be, thank God, my my." Right now, it's on the bank. Father God, thank you for the money it takes to take my family on a nice vacation. Thank you for the money it takes to repair this car or to buy me a brand new car. Thank you, Father, for how much you need. Tell me how much you need. Be specific. This is how much I need. And I need it by so-and-so. And, Father, I just thank you for it. And I praise you for it. I ask you, Father, I draw up on my... Heavenly bank account. Because, see, our treasures are in heaven. He says that He's given us the ability to obtain wealth that He might establish His kingdom. He can't establish His kingdom unless He not only meets your needs, but 
flow enough money through you to meet the needs of others. Tithes, offerings, special offerings. You're in a grocery store and someone's checking out and you see they've got a bunch of kids there and they don't have enough money. Help them pay it. He wants that kind of abundance in your life. And I don't care who you are or what kind of job you have. He wants that abundance for you. Go with me over to Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were created by the Word of God. This means that the things we see were made of something that cannot be seen. In other words, the invisible, or the, I'm sorry, the visible is governed by the invisible. Many times, we as Christians, we try to get God to do something. You know, we're, we're, we're needing something or we're asking for some things to occur in our life. And God tells us all the time the power to change the world is totally at our discretion. Do you believe that? It's totally within our control. The same word of God that formed the world still governs the world when it's found in your heart and in your mouth. Now, jump over to Romans chapter 10, starting with verse 6. Romans chapter 10, and this is, you know, you probably, most of you probably can quote this one. You hear it uh, quite a bit. It says, but the righteousness that is of, by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. So look at it. It says in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It goes on to say, for with your heart, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confessed and are saved. Now, everything that we get from God, whether it's finances, baptism of the Holy Spirit, improved relationships, healing, for our sickness, for our disease that that the enemy has placed upon us, anything from God is received in the same way. It's the same formula. This is it. You got saved this way. You believed in your heart that Jesus is the Lord. That by the power of God, He was raised from the dead for our justification. We believe that. It is now part of your core belief system. And so if someone says, when you die, are you going to heaven? My guess is everyone in this room is going to raise their hand. It's automatic. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Because why? Because number one, I believed in my heart. 
I confess Jesus as my Lord. I received him as my Lord and Savior. And I confessed with my mouth, verbally, that he was Lord. And bang, guess what happens? He's our Lord and Savior. We're born again. Our home is now heaven. Well, everything that we receive is the same way. No matter what it is. We believe. We find what the Word says about our situation. And that's what we confess. Now, there is a process of building your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, in order to change our belief system, we're performing these habits. We're, we're, we're intaking the Word. And we're trying, we're attempting. No, we're not trying. We are making that Word a part of us to change that core belief in conformance with what the Word says. So, that need that we have becomes established. But in the meantime, we're confessing it. There is a confession unto faith and there is a confession of faith. Okay? There is a period of time in which you are confessing the Word and your core beliefs are not quite there yet. Okay? But it's part of the process of reestablishing your belief system. You're confessing that word based upon what word says. The external circumstances may be bombarding you, telling you, wait a minute, this doesn't exist yet. You can't see it. See, the invisible is governed by the invisible. The eternal things always take precedent, present, precedent over the existing things that are physical. That's why if you have sickness and disease in your body, it's the eternal healing power of God that you want resident there, that you want to come and free you of that illness. So, in order to do that, we renew our minds. We change our belief system. When the illness comes upon you, we don't say, oh, jeez, I'm sick. I got the flu again this year. This is, you know, every year I get the flu. Well, we're agreeing with the enemy. But we say, wait a minute, this doesn't belong to me. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm the glorified God in my body. A glorified body doesn't have sickness and disease in it. I'm a child of God. A son of the king. The king of the universe. He's maybe a king and a priest. And I, as a king, have a right to decree what goes on in my life. Why? Because I'm an ambassador for Christ. I represent him. His word says it. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not, with Jesus, with Jesus, with the word, also freely give us all things? So we take the word and we apply it to our situation in life. Guess what happens? It has to move. It has no choice. Because he's given us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing by any means. Nothing by any means shall hurt us. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing by any means shall hurt you. Unless we let it. Unless we give in to the circumstances that come into our life. And bombard you and bombard you and bombard you. Some of us just need to get ticked. Get our dander raised. 
get some righteous indignation. You're trying to do this to a child of God? No way. Doesn't belong to me. I don't want it. It's yours. Take it back. And Father, by faith, I confess that I'm, I'm healed. For everyone who came to you, Jesus was healed. That it might be fulfilled. That was spoken by the prophet Isaiah himself. Took my infirmities. He bare my sicknesses. By whose stripes I am healed. Not going to be. I am right now. And my response is, I take it now. I believe I have it now. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Those eternal things that we want so desperately. And that's where the frustration, the pain comes into people's life because they, they ask God for things and it just doesn't get there. I mean, it just seems like forever it's getting there. We want it. But to those people, I say, have we really made God our priority? Have we really thanked Him and praised Him for what we already possess? Are we in His Word every day, listening and reading? Are we meditating on what that Word says about our situation? Because if we are, we're starting to change our belief system. And in due times, we will reap if we faint not. Just keep on keeping on. Never give up. Never give up. Never let the enemy have a, have a one-up on us. We give up so easy sometimes. I have the privilege of counseling and talking to people at times who are struggling in different areas of life. And so many times, I can just sit and listen to them for five minutes. And it's almost... If you do it over a period of time, you know, it's, it's easier to pick up. But you can just see so clearly why they struggle with the things that they're struggling with. The things that they say. Almost the entire time is spent agreeing with the enemy and what the enemy says about them. Christians have a tendency to talk about their problems. Talk about their issues. Give it time and substance. Rather than speaking to the problem itself, identifying for what it is and demanding that it leave, demanding that it come out of your life. But they dwell upon it over and over and over again. They tell their friends about it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got this. I got that. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Well, those are words they're speaking. Wouldn't you say that's an abundance of the heart? Because they're not, their heart isn't built up to the point spiritually. It's not able to sustain them in weakness and illness and trouble. It's not able to uphold them in their time of need. I go back to what Pastor John you know, says a lot. If you've been under his ministry for any length of time, you, know, you, don't, you don't start your garden when you're hungry. You start planting the Word in your life 
before that hunger hits. And then when the time comes, all of a sudden you've got a, a storehouse. You walk into your pantry and you say, hmm, I've got a back pain here. I need a little bit of healing for my back pain. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I curse the source of this back pain and command it to go, be healed in Jesus' name. I don't necessarily expect it to go away the next second. It might. If it does, that's great. It still means I'm healed because I know it. My response is what God said. So therefore, my advocate, Jesus, who takes before the court of law to the great high judge, the Father says, hey, wait a minute, Father. John's got a back pain. I, took, I, I bore that back pain for him on Calvary. And God the Father says, you're right. And that back pain goes. Now, but if we wait, okay? Now, it doesn't mean that sickness is not going to attack you anyway, Okay? But it's going to be your ability to respond. It's going to be the abundance of the heart that responds to when that maybe problem comes your way. So that it's automatic. Okay. There's no messing around. You're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're just going to step to the plate and say, okay, let's, let's hit a home run here. Father, you and me. You're on my team. Now, where are we at? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13. says, We have the same spirit of faith. As the scripture says, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Or, you can read it this way. I believed or I lived in accordance with the word and therefore I have spoken. We also live in accordance with the word and therefore speak. Because if you're a believer, you live in accordance with what you believe. And we've, we've covered that territory. So the barometer or the key to the words that I speak is, number one, do my words agree with God's words? That's number one. Number two, do I believe the word of God? Okay? So you need to be honest here. Do I believe the word of God? And that honesty says, am I really doing what the word says? Or do I just mentally agree with what it says? but I'm not experiencing its consequences yet. Or I'm not responding the way the Word would expect me to respond. Does that make sense? Okay? So that's the key. That's the barometer to your words. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11. We'll start in verse 12. 
as I said before, we have a tendency to speak to or um, uh, speak. We have a tendency to speak about our enemies or adversaries rather than speaking to our adversaries. Now, on the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree leaving, having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it, and they came to Jerusalem. Verse 19, When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up in the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you that whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes in his heart that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says. Now, here's a situation where Jesus and his disciples they went into Jerusalem and he curses a fig tree because there wasn't any food on it. Okay? He goes into the city okay? and the next morning they come walking by that same tree and the disciples say, wait a minute. This tree that you curse, okay? So Jesus, this is a teaching moment for him. I'm sure it is all planned out, okay? And he's telling them the law of faith. The law of faith is speaking. It says, if you will say to this mountain, don't talk about the mountain. You know, the mountain's big. You know, it's sort of dirty. There's some trees on it. It's a little scattered. It's got a lot of boulders and rocks on it. You don't need to talk about the mountain. What we're talking is to the mountain. If you'll say to this mountain, say to this mountain, speak to this mountain, speak to this sickness, speak to this disease, speak to this financial lack, speak to the relationship issue you're having with your spouse or your son or your daughter. If you speak to that situation, if you say to this mountain, be removed. And be cast in the sea and shall not doubt where? Doubt in your heart. If your belief system, if you're living in accordance with the word, is so established it is in your heart, and that's the abundance of your heart, you'll say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say... shall come to pass, you will have what you say. It's a godly principle. He's not only given His Word, but He's given us the power to use that Word. Go ye therefore and preach the Gospel. He has submitted to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have that authority. We have a blank check with his name already written on the bottom of it. We fill it in. If it's health or healing, that's what we write in the check stuff. If it's finances, we write it in there. If it's relationships, we write it in there. Whatever it is, 
in your need book. That is what he has provided through the death, burial, and resurrection. Through his redemption, reestablishing us the way it was in the beginning with Adam and Eve. It belongs, we have no clue what belongs to us. I know I, I don't. There's things in my life that I want changed. We all do. But that sanctification is a process. It's over time. That's why it's so critical to develop habits, spiritual habits that allow us to go from, from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory and to be transformed into His image. So when people see us, they say, what Jesus would do. If I say to that mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in my heart, but believe that those things I say shall come to pass, I will have what I say. That has to become so strong in your spirit that you can't get anybody to convince you differently. It won't matter what circumstance enters your life, what kind of attacks that come. The Lord tells us to let the peace of God be your umpire. And there'll be a peace that comes and establishes in that area that you so much desire. And again, whether you see it or not, you know the invisible, the eternal things are on their way. Day by day, like a farmer, plant slowly comes out. You first you see the head, leaves, gets bigger and bigger. But guess what? One day, it's time to put the sickle in, reap your harvest. And before you know it, you're walking in the blessings of God because you have become holy in that area as He is holy. It's impossible not to be transformed. Don't be so like so many people. Now God can do, God can make things happen I think you'll find in your life the more time you spend with Him, the more intimacy that you're able to share with Him, the closer you become to who He is, the quicker you'll see things come into your life. But don't get fooled if it feels like there's just so much time in between what I desire and what I receive. Just keep on fertilizing. Keep on watering. Keep on speaking. Don't let your mouth go anywhere else other than what what that word says. If it does, 
Forgive me, Father. Keep on going. Because we're even, we're going to make mistakes. But don't get frustrated. Don't get tired of well-doing. It'll come. He is faithful to the promised. His word will always accomplish that which it was intended or set out to do. When Jesus spoke to that fig tree, his flesh and blood, he walked this earth. He was 100% man. The only power that he possessed in terms of the things he did and miracles was given to him by the Father. And he only used them when the Father told him to. Jesus says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. As a man, he possessed no powers of his own. Yeah, he was God in the flesh. But he possessed, as a human being, no powers of his own. Everything that he received was from God. God's grace. It was God's abilities. The Heavenly Father's God's abilities working in Jesus' life. It was his provision and it was his power that was working through Jesus. Do you know that that same provision, ability, and power works through you? He's given every one of us that same thing. Jesus' grace on earth was no different than what we possess. We're a we're 100% man or mankind. I know there's a lot of ladies in here. But we possess them. We have that ability. We, well, we don't have that ability. It's God. We expect God's ability to come into our life. That's what we not only expect, that's what we depend upon. That's why we can be bold in what we say. I think we're all smart enough to know that we none of us have the ability to heal ourselves. You know, we, we just can't go out and do what we want to do. Have this power, this miraculous power to do things. All of our ability, all of our authority, all the things comes from God. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So, if we have that intimacy with God, we establish that trust and relationship. We're able, we're able to hear his voice, that, that inner voice that talks to us, reveals stuff to us. As we listen to it, he'll be prompting you to say things, prompting you to do things in accordance with his word so that the manifestation of his blessing can come into our life. Oh. Hmm. Romans 4. And we'll close up with this one. We're 
And by the way, I said we were going to finish today. I'm going to finish this one today. Just, we're wrapping it up right now. Romans chapter 4. And we'll start with verse 12. And the father of circumcision, to those not only are of the circumcision, the Jew, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised, the Gentile. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness by faith. For if those who are of the law or works are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it, right standing with God, is a faith, or synonymously is belief, your faith in God, your belief in God, that it might be according to grace, or God's ability, so that the promise might be sure to all that all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believes. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, Abraham was 400 plus years before the Mosaic Law was even given. And so the actions and the words that Abraham spoke were those of faith based on what God wanted him to say and do. One of the examples offering his actions was offering up Isaac on the altar. But Abraham spoke in line with what God said. Last week, I think, or the week before, we talked about in Genesis, where again, God said, let there be, over and over again. And God said, and God said, and God said. He spoke the world into existence. What's it say here? It says, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So the things that do not exist in this physical realm, those are the eternal things over here. He spoke into existence by his faith. He had faith in his word. Okay? He's God. We possess that same faith. Do you know? You know there's a lot of people that, there's a lot of creative people in this world. And I know them, and they're just, they're just neat folks. You know, they're different. I haven't got much creative much created bones in my body. But I'm still able to create with my words. I can create change in my life. I can speak life where currently there is none. What's it say? Gives life to the dead. Do you have some dead things maybe in your life? I can speak life to the dead. And it says, I can call those things which do not exist as though they do. That's what our words are all about. 
we take them lightly a lot of times. They're very powerful. They're very, very meaningful. I I know that you know, those of you here, you're, you've come because you have obviously a hunger for the Word and maybe more specifically in the areas of healing for your body. And because of that, that hunger, he says, knock, seek and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and your door will be opened to you. Okay? So just keep seeking, keep knocking. Take these habits and apply them to your life. Number one, when we come to services like this, number one idea is to gain knowledge. What's the word say about my situation? Number two, we want to gain understanding from that knowledge that we receive. We want to understand how to apply it to our life. How to make it really work. I'm sure you don't want to come here and just, okay, well, I listen to this guy. But but I I want to try to understand those things which are happening to me. How can I change them? How can I be better? How can I be different? And then more importantly, once we grasp that understanding of what we're desiring, of, of how to make it work for us, then the wisdom part comes in where we apply it to our life. We actually are doer of the word. Which we're going to get into the next habit. So with that, we'll close. Uh, Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for each and every one here, I thank you for the lies. Father, I just pray and know that, that the word that went forth, Father, will, will, will find a home in their hearts. And Father, in some cases, it reinforced what they already knew. In some cases, it was maybe brand new to them. In some cases, Father, it was just a, it was a chance to renew and, 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 and revisit some of those things, Father, that, that they know... In, in the bottom of the heart is part of their belief system. So, Father, we just thank you for it. We thank you for today. We thank you for each and every person here that they can be examples of Christ as they live their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. See you next time.